Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noel Cordell. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of our Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast. Today we're going to talk about grit and fearlessness, two very big topics. Um, and we're going to attack them, I guess, through the door of positive psychology. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this is John Kim, the angry therapist, and I'm Noelle Cordeaux, head of the Catalyst Life Coaching Intensive over at Shift. And positive psychology is really the foundation for a lot of what we do. It's a new science been around for the past 10 years in terms of a body of data that's being built and collected on it, but really all of the concepts are completely ancient and have been around since the dawn of civilization. It's pretty straightforward and common sense stuff that I think we just don't take the time in our everyday lives to consider and work towards. Yeah. So which one do you want to start with first? Do you want to start with grit or uh, fearlessness? I think that they really go hand in hand. Okay. Um, the definition of grit is passion and perseverance in the pursuit of long-term goals. Mm. And really what grit is, is dealing with that feeling of discomfort and um, fear, really, and, you know, saying that no matter what, no matter how physically or emotionally uncomfortable I feel right now, I'm going to continue pursuing the goal in front of me. And I think that that's why they tie in, because on the other side of emotional and physical discomfort is fear, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, when, when we do come across turbulence or grit, um, many of us, we, because of the discomfort, we, we go the other way. Yeah. So when I was doing a deep dive for this podcast today, the thing that struck me the most and just really knocked the wind out of me is that grit and perseverance is more important than intelligence in achieving goals. Mm. Wow, that's really powerful. Right? Yeah, well, just because in this world, we put so much weight on, you know, grades, your degrees, intelligence, and all that. Um, But you're saying that grit, this having this kind of mindset of pushing through um, is more powerful than, which, which I agree 100%. 100%. You can get an A on every single paper and get as many degrees as you want. And unless you actually go out there in the world and do something with them, they're completely worthless. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't outsmart life. <laughs> no. Grit is just hard work. And, and I really like this concept that discomfort is both physical and emotional because when I think of all of the people in our communities when I think of our coaches when I think of the things that the clients who come to our coaches want to uh, overcome it usually falls into one of the two areas of either physical or emotional discomfort Mm. I mean I'm sure you've seen this a lot um, through CrossFit with 
pushing through physical discomfort to reach a goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and you have to have the right mindset for it because if you see the the discomfort as torture um, or as, you know, uh, something that is hurting you, you know, you're going to protect yourself. And so most people run the other way because the fight or flight kicks in or because of fear. And fear happens because you feel like you're going to get hurt. So whether it's emotional or physical, um, when you have that fear, you know, that's when the walls go up and that's what prevents you from pushing through, going through the grit. And But going through the grit is where you grow. Absolutely. So I, I just went back to my CrossFit gym on Monday. This is my first full week back at it. Oh, awesome. And yeah. And so what... Is there, you know, is there fear coming up for you? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, of course. You know, I think it's like it's fear that my body won't have the muscle memory. Like doing box jumps really gets me. Um, so it, you know, it's it's like, a, what advice do you have for me going on this journey, knowing that I'm saying, okay, I'm I'm about, I want to get my body into peak physical form to prepare for. Um, aging to prepare for all the work that we have to do with this company. What do you have for me? Wow. Just, you just, <laughs> I'm going to life coach you, huh? Yeah. All right. One second. I'm, tur- I'm turning off a uh, notification. Um, <clears throat> well, number one, I think you have to uh, remind yourself that you've done this before. You know, I think so many people when they uh, do something that they've done and then, you know, time passes and then when they revisit it, they forget that they actually have accomplished things that their body is capable um, because of fear and doubt. Um, so I think that's the first one. And I would say, and I know it sounds kind of silly, but I, I would say you got to turn your dial to fun. So like whether you're doing push-ups or gymnastic movements or kettlebells or whatever, if you go into it like it's a playground, um, you're going to be a lot more fearless than if you go into it like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. People are watching. You know, this is too heavy or et cetera. That's awesome. That's awesome advice. I, I came across um, two tenets of mindset. And the first tenant is a fixed mindset mm-hmm. where the concept is I tried it and it just didn't work. And it ends there, you right. know, finite. And then the other mindset is a growth mindset. And that involves both resilience and curiosity where the internal dialogue is I tried it and it didn't work yet. And I thought that tacking the yet on the end of that was so altering because it really puts zero limitations on where you can go in life. If you see the road in front of you as, you know, just eternally open because the journey is what gets you there, not the task. Absolutely. And I got to say, um, the, the, the fixing growth mindset, it's, uh, it's huge. It's, it was created by, uh, so Carol Dweck, um, she's a Harvard, uh, a researcher. She started to, um, research what made people successful. And what she came up with was this, is that, uh, people with a fixed mindset, um, are a lot less successful than people with a growth mindset. Absolutely. I think that visualization plays into this so much. 
you know, the power of priming, the power of being able to think about what your future state will be like when you've accomplished your goals, Mm -hmm. it's, is one of the most powerful tools out there for attaching to grit because, you know, it's so easy to get stuck in the mindset of this hurts, this sucks, I can't do it, I won't do it. Yeah, and what do you, what do you, can you expand a little bit on priming? Because that's, uh, that's something that in coaching I think is uh, used a lot and I think a lot of people listening to this podcast can, you know, uh, learn from that, this idea of priming. I, yeah, so... Priming comes from the world of sports psychology, and it's a technique that was really first established with top athletes, and it was a way of, um, some people would tattoo or write or carry with them the time that they wanted to hit, the goal that they wanted to hit, and we know uh, from long-term studies that when a human being keeps the thing that they want in life or the thing that they want to accomplish or the thing that they want to do or become in front of them, literally physically in front of them, visually, in their mind's eye or uh, in some sort of visual representation, there's something like 80% more likely to accomplish that goal. It is an incredible phenomenon and it's an incredibly powerful tool. Um, It's kind of caught on in public consciousness with the concept of vision boarding. And the concept of vision boarding is when you sit down and take the time to cultivate and collect pictures, words, images that represent your future self, your future state. And your vision board needs to be kept in a place where you see it every day. And it needs to be kept in a place that is free from criticism. Um, and those are the two pieces that are really important. So can Have they you, be, can they be things, you know, like, cause when you, when I think of vision board, I think of, uh, you know, uh, people that, uh, cut out pictures of houses they want to live in or, you know, cars they want to have and, or, or is it uh, more of uh, something that, that uh, evokes some kind of feeling? It can be all of the above. Okay. Whatever is, uh, you know, inherently, important to you. On my vision board, I have uh, a picture of a woman with huge muscles. Mm. Um, <laughs> I have a picture of a garden <laughs> full of vegetables. Okay. Um, and I have a picture of um, uh, where I live in Philadelphia, which is actually a goal that came to pass for a really long time. I had a picture of this beautiful um, river uh, and I now live about three blocks away from it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Awesome. I've been always amazed at how many things from my vision boards, especially place and location, have really come to pass. I had L.A. on my vision board for a long time, and we all know how that one ended. Yeah. <laughs> do you, so do you? where do you keep your vision board? Is it on a wall, or is it folded up in your pocket, or where is it? It's on the wall of my office, mm-hmm. so that when I sit down um, to work, that's really kind of the first thing that I see, and it, it's a really good reminder for me, especially the vegetables and the mussels, because I can get so buried in work and just not pick my head up, but then that keeps me from reaching my physical goals and reaching my health goals. I, I just had an image. I would love to hire an artist to put my vision board, um, paint it as a mural on an entire wall in, in my house. That would be amazing. So you could see That's it every day. 
incredible. Make sure you leave a lot of white space for your future. Well, no, what you do is you just every year or so you, you, you redo it. That would be super cool. I, I love the idea of having a whole maybe magnetic wall in your house where you can constantly right. change Greg's right. vision yeah. board. <laughs> my vision board has a Korean barbecue in the backyard of my house, which is in the Los Angeles Hills. Mm. Um, I have a collection of motorcycles. Um, I, I, I see this title, New York Times bestseller. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Um, yeah, I've got a, I, you know, I, the, the vision board that I have is very specific and it's something I've been carrying for a long time and, and we'll see, you know, we'll see what matches on it. Um, I want to go, go back real quick because, uh, you know, the, the fixing growth mindset is such a great tool when it comes to grit. Um, so I want to remind you guys real quick. So people in a fixed mindset believe you, you, you are either um, you are or aren't good at something based on your inherent nature. I'm like just because it's who you are. So that's what makes you fixed. People with a growth mindset believe that anyone can be good at anything that uh, because of your abilities are entirely due to your actions. And th this sounds simple, but it's surprisingly deep. And uh, the fixed mindset is the most common and most harmful uh, and, and so it's worth understanding and considering how it affects you. So a lot of people in this world, they have a very fixed mindset and it prevents them from going through the grit. Um, fixed mindset is what um, is like the Petri dish of fear, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Um, the fixed mindset believes that trouble is devastating, you know? And so you, you stay away from quote unquote trouble. Sometimes trouble is what is going to uh, it's be the soil for your growth. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of coaching, of hiring a coach and working with a coach, is to disavow yourself of the notion that quote-unquote trouble or discomfort or even failure or setbacks are a bad thing. They're actually not. They're data. They're data for you yeah. to gain clarity on what works and what doesn't work and to put together a new game plan to get back up and keep trying again and again and again going there back to your um starting crossfit again i want to give you uh, one more piece of advice and this is something that i used early on is uh, and it just reminded me what you're talking about now is to see your body as an experiment mm. and to, to to wonder and get very curious about um you know how far you could push yourself or you know the the um hitting what i call the white zone and stretching that zone. So when you when you go so hard that you don't think you can go anymore, and you know the truth is, uh, your your mind stops you at like forty percent. Your body can go a lot further. It's our brains that that stop us. Um, but stretching that and experimenting, um, there's so much power in being curious, you know. And when you think that your body or maybe your life is an experiment, uh, there's a disconnect where you're no longer um, holding on to fear, but you're seeing it more as a you know, something outside of self. Absolutely. And to be open to adaption and change, you know, it, you know, that's, I think, one of been one of the greatest lessons of the last year for me is that when you're, when you set on, out on a long-term goal, when you set out on a long-term path, the outcome may come in an unexpected form. Or the path that you right. take may not be the path that you intended it to be, but you still will arrive at the same place. Um, there, there were two things that I came across that I think were really significant when I was doing this research. 
And one of them was that successful people, however you define success, face an average of seven to eight major setbacks before they finally hit the sweet spot. Wow. That's, yeah. And you know, most people, they want, they, if they don't find a, a success in uh, attempt number one, they're done. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And the other piece that I found is that an antidote to fear is hope. Mm. I love that. And, yeah. Because when you're when you're when you're racked with fear, that's your nervous system, right? That's our ancient evolutionary fight or flight mechanism that says I need to be careful of this. And then hope is the other piece of us that gives us our humanity, our compassion, our belief that life is good and we should be enjoying it. And one of the best ways to maintain hope is to surround yourself with people who believe in you and with people who support you. Yeah, it goes back to kind of our whole thing of uh, rebuilding yourself through others. Rebuilding yourself through others, having cheerleaders, being vulnerable, you know, just because you had a shit day doesn't mean that, you know, the world is over. It just means that you had a hard day. <laughs> so how, how do you, um, yeah, I, I think hope is so powerful. And I think hope is one of the things that as life coaches, um, we try to find for our clients. And I think that's what can change everything. How do you, how do you inject your client with hope? How, oh, that's a really good question. Well, I think that from a coaching perspective, that's one of the most beautiful things about forming a partnership with someone is that when someone comes to me as a client, I look at that human as filled with limitless potential. And I look at that human in front of me as 100% capable of not only transforming but of reaching a new threshold of existence where there's contentment, joy, and achievement. And my knowledge, my science, evidence-based knowledge that that is fucking possible is what I transfer over to build hope. Is in, is, it's, hope is in accountability. And you wouldn't think that those two are likely companions, but they are. Because hope is the why of no, get back up again. Yeah. Um, I think also just uh, having having someone that believes in you, you know, and I think uh, a lot of, like you said, the lot of uh, coaching is the relationship and, and, and that alone, I think, uh, kind of organically creates hope. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and two, you know, I've been seeing this kind of meme or statement fly around a lot recently but it's fear is a liar mm, yeah I like that and I think you know for a lot of times it's true like so you know back to me and CrossFit I'm terrified of box jumps terrified of them yeah. and really what we're talking about is me and a wooden box <laughs> <laughs> right and so my fear around this scenario is just not worth engaging in. Well, how do you how are you going to overcome that fear or are you going to? Um 
I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. I mean, I, I think the trick is just to jump, right? Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing I was going to say about fear is um, I think sometimes fear is uh, a shadow cast by our own, our own hand. And I think the power in um, that shift and being less afraid is actually having an, an, a different experience, setting yourself up for a different experience. So, for example, um, you know, uh, I'm afraid of the water. I'm afraid of sharks. I'm, you know, like most people. And, um, uh, two years ago I went to Hawaii and I decided to, um, go into a shark cage and my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she bought this for me as a Christmas gift. And, uh, of course I was resistant. Um, I didn't want to go, you know, this is the grit that you actually have to go into the cold water way out in the sea. And I didn't want to do it. Um, but when I did it, I went into the cage, went down and there was like four or five sharks and you know, they're, they're big. They weren't great whites, but they're big sharks. And you you instantly panic and you instantly have the fear. But then when you sit with it, um, there's a tipping point where you realize, wait a minute, this actually isn't that scary. And suddenly, you know, the, the, the shark's faces look like puppy dogs and they were just swimming around. And the, the guy was saying that they're actually more scared of you than than, than you are of them. Um, and then when, when, when I came home, because I had that experience, I was instantly less afraid. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Albert Ellis uh, calls that emotional interval training, where you mm -hmm. put yourself out there for brief periods of time directly into your discomfort zone, and then you pull back. And that's a large part of what you do in coaching with designing experiments with your clients, mm -hmm. is getting them to push out into their discomfort zone and then pull back to prove to themselves that nothing happened nobody died, yeah. the world's not, right. or the sky isn't falling, and that they have efficacy around a particular topic. That's really cool. Um, it, I, you know, I always believe, and I think also, um, speaking of life coaches, I think Tony Robbins is a big uh, believer in the power of experience. You know, experience is what's convincing. And whether we're talking about um, you know, relationships or experiencing, um, you know, I was just talking about swimming with sharks, um, but any kind of experience where, where it changes your mindset and the beliefs that you have about yourself, um, you know, like for example, I'll take a, like a personal story. You know, I, I had, uh, my, my book came out and, uh, having this false belief of being the almost guy and, um, you know, uh, minimizing everything and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so far, you know, my experience with this book has been super positive and it's starting to, um, reframe and like give me new beliefs about me myself as a writer you know and so without that experience it would be hard just to imagine that belief but when you actually have the experience um then that shit's convincing oh yeah and and it, it goes on and on i mean i think for me i'm living it right now you know for i guess our listeners who don't know the story of john and i too well we've been working together for about five years and um, we ended up building a company together for coaches, by coaches. It's called Shift. And I quit a very nice, lovely, stable job and a PhD to come do this work. And I am living daily physical and emotional discomfort of swinging without a safety net, putting myself out there, being responsible to so many other people, yeah. doing work that is impossibly hard. But you know what? I wouldn't press the reset button for the world. Mm. It 
you know, having meaning, having purpose, doing hard things is what our bodies and brains are meant to do. And if you're just sitting there being scared of life the whole time, you're missing the whole damn point. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And I got to say, the other trick, and then guys, whether you're a coach or uh, someone who is being coached or wants to be coached, um, another trick to this is to, and I I talk about this all the time, is to swim so far that you can't turn back. Mm. So with me and my journey with, you know, the angry therapist and everything I'm doing with you and, you know, the, the catalyst course and everything we're doing, um, I don't have a choice. Like, I, I, I like, this is it. I, I can't stop everything and suddenly go, you know, sell cars. Like that's not an option. Um, because, because I, I've connected all this to my purpose and who I am and how I want to die. And so, um, if you, if you, if you bring that to a micro level, even when you take that into something like the CrossFit box, um, you know, all the fear happens right before the workout, before the three, two, one, oh, go. And then once the workout happens and you're in it, you have to convince yourself, um, that you can't, you know, you got to burn your boats. Like you, you're, you're going to fight, you're going to live or die on this Island. And so, um, when you do that, then you're able to lean forward and really push through instead of, um, you know, thinking you're going to quit or all, you know, all the negative stuff that goes in your head that makes you want to stop. Oh yeah. And I think it's, I mean, that's a great metaphor for, for everything is to, you know, push, push off from the safe shores and just kind of say, all right, you know, this is it. This is what it feels like to be alive. And I think that so many people miss that opportunity because our whole society is based on being scared of things, you know, scared of that we won't have enough um, shiny toys or we, we yeah. won't have enough yeah. admiration or we won't have enough, um, you know, of a safety net. And, um, you know, the reality is, is that life is hard and unstable and that you're going to experience hardships and ups and downs anyway. <laughs> Right. It's inevitable, right. and you might as well do something that you enjoy and something that you love, and take risks and build a meaningful life. Um, and I think the thing that is the true stabilizer is connection to others and solid relationships. Yeah. Because if you have those, you know, you can weather the the emotional and physical discomfort pretty well. Yeah. Well, um, Noelle, thank you for the uh, amazing dialogue. This is always so so much fun talking with you. Um, and also like, you know, this isn't just for other people, but it's also like for ourselves, you know, whether it's a reminder or you and I sharpening each other, um, through our journey. So I really, um, appreciate, um, every conversation we have. (laughs) Absolutely. We couldn't do this without each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and listen, um, guys, if you're listening, just want to remind you, this is only episode two and we are creating this podcast to create a dialogue to help other people. Um, whether you're coaches or you want to be coach, or if you just want to have a better life, uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and, uh, we will constantly or continually, um, bring questions and challenges and concepts and techniques and talk about everything, um, that will help you live a better life. Absolutely. Thanks, John. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Be well, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast presented by SHIFT. 
you'd like to learn more about what you've heard on today's show, head to shift.us. That's S-H-F-T dot U-S for more information. Feel free to rate us, review us, and tell a friend. 